Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Five Rings to Rule Them All. I'm Sid Ziegler. The last 10 days to two weeks, I've been pretty quiet because I've been listening. As events have unfolded across America, around the world, in response to the murder of George Floyd. I did what I try to do when issues of race and gender come up. And that is listen. Because as a white cisgender man, I just don't get to speak a heck of a lot right now. To me, my role in this, in these first days and weeks, and I do think this is just the beginning, is to do a lot of listening. To let the experiences of black people take center stage. And that isn't to say that white people and people of other races speaking right now are doing anything quote-unquote wrong. Because I think everybody is trying to figure out what the right thing to do is. And I think there's a lot of frustration because, number one, people don't quite know what to do. They don't know what the solutions are. And two... I think a lot of them realize, or or I'm sorry, a lot of them believe that they don't have the power to affect change. So there are a lot of people uh, sharing stuff on on social media, images and 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 things that they have to say and videos and and and, and I get that. For me, the more important thing for me to do is to share the stories and the perspectives of black people. It's something we, we've been talking about for a week at Outsports, is elevating what black people have to say right now, uh, instead of as white people trying to um, tell people what they should be thinking or how they should be thinking about it. So this is kind of the first time that I uh, am going to share a couple of, of observations and a couple of thoughts. Uh, we did at Outsports share an article that I wrote. Uh, I wrote it seven years ago about racism in the gay community. And I read it last week and, and realized I, I could have written it yesterday that nothing in seven years since I wrote that has changed really, nothing. But other than that, I have been sharing the stories of black people. On Twitter, I have simply been retweeting the ideas and videos and images of black people. Uh, I've been encouraging us to do the same thing at Outsports. And I've also been listening And 
a couple people I've listened to have been Caitlin Long, the black former University of Minnesota hammer thrower. And it was talking to her on the phone uh, last Wednesday that we came up with this idea of Outsports hosting a conversation between her and Justin Rabone, who is a former teammate of hers, who's also black. They both live in Minneapolis, and they have been right there in the city where George Floyd was killed and where the protests and response really began. So if you're, if I, I hope that you'll uh, you'll join that conversation. Uh, it's going to be June 9th, Tuesday, June 9th at 9 p.m. And if you are listening to this after that, then uh, you can track it down on YouTube. So I'm going to record it. Another person that I have been listening to is a fellow football official, a guy I've known for, oh gosh, six, seven years now. And he's a former police officer. And I called him earlier this week just to ask him about his experiences as a police officer. And I won't get into all of what he had to share, but it was eye-opening to me to hear the thoughts of a black former police officer talking about what he saw in the police department. One of the th- one of the eye-opening things that he shared that that I have been sharing on Twitter is the incredibly long series of moments in American history when black people were attacked just for being black. And, and we can, certainly there are many in recent years that we can talk about. But he was sharing with me things that happened in the late 1800s and the 1900s and 1910s and 1920s. M- massacres of black people rioting and the burning down of an entire black neighborhoods. Things that I have, I can honestly say I've never heard of because we don't get taught about that stuff in school. I I certainly didn't in history class or, or any other class. You just, you just don't hear about it. We hear about the assassination of Martin Luther King, and and we certainly know about slavery, but we don't get taught what happened after the Civil War ended. And it it is shocking. I encourage you to go look up the Tulsa Race Massacre. And what happened to a more, slightly more affluent 
black neighborhood in Tulsa. Look, look that up. Uh, my, my, my bet is you haven't heard of it. And that is just one example of the kinds of things that I have learned over the last week or 10 days. So I've spent a lot of time listening and, and watching and trying to learn and trying to hear what people are saying, what black people are saying about this. And I so understand how a lot of people, particularly a lot of white people, may not understand why there is this civil unrest right now. But if you take a step back and and you really dig into some of the history and some of the recent history of the way that black people have been treated in the gay community by business leaders, by politicians, by police, you might understand it. And, you know, I'm, I'm all for peaceful protests, uh, you know, Taking to the street has never been my personal thing. Uh, when, even when Matthew Shepard was uh, was murdered or we were fighting for marriage equality, just taking to the streets just isn't my thing. But I uh, appreciate that that it that it is the way that some people express themselves. But if you want to criticize some of the protests going on right now, you have to go back and you have to look at all the protests. All of the peaceful protests that just didn't seem to be heard over the years. And one of them, and which is the perfect tie-in for this podcast, is in 1968 when Tommy Smith and John Carlos... They had finished first and third in the 200-meter race at the 1968 Summer Olympics. And as the national anthem, the Star Spangled Banner, played, they both raised their fists in, as a demonstration, as a peaceful demonstration to try to bring some awareness of the struggles that black people we're going through in America in the 1960s. And they became persona non grata. The IOC and the U.S. Uh, Olympic Committee and sports organizations did not take kindly to that very basic, simple demonstration. Those two men were banned from the Olympic Games for raising their fists. And this perspective of quote-unquote political demonstration, that, that it's simply just not going to be allowed at the Olympics, still holds today. In 2014, it, uh, in the United States in particular, came into focus because 
There, there were LGBTQ rights issues, uh, questions around how LGBTQ people were being treated in, so, in Russia, which is uh, in 2014, it was the Winter Games, and they were held in Sochi, Russia. And the International Olympic Committee made it very clear, you're an athlete during the opening ceremony, during your competition, during a medal ceremony, during the Olympics, you are not to make any kind of demonstration about this. There will be no rainbow flags. There will be no rainbow pins. There will be nothing. The next Olympic Games are in 2021. And as of right now, if a black athlete or any athlete raises their fist on the medal podium, they will be sent home. And as I said earlier, I feel like this is really the beginning of something that is going to be sustained. And I cannot fathom an Olympic Games where the athletes, particularly the black American athletes are going to do what the IOC wants them to do and keep all of this conversation about race and the treatment of black people away from the Olympic Games. There, there could be no reasonable expectation that they would do that. Now, for me protesting or demonstrating on the metal podium you know to me that's just not my thing even in sochi um you know i i i was uh, unsure of of how i would feel if somebody brought a, an lgbtq message onto the uh the metal podium but i also appreciate that these athletes are very real human beings with very real perspectives and very real important uh, opinions and emotions. And those, the, all of the hard work that these athletes have put in for so many years to get to the Olympic Games, and for the International Olympic Committee and the USOC to say, well, well you have to kind of leave your identity and... And, and the history of your, uh, your family and your friends, you have to leave all that behind and just forget about it for two weeks. That is, it's not reasonable. It's not fair. And so I don't know what the IOC, obviously, I'm not a member of the IOC. I don't know what they're going to do, but they're going to have to do something. And if they don't want protests on the podium or or during uh, a game or during a competition, they are going to have to create some kind of system where the athletes feel that they can do some kind of demonstrations on these issues and be heard and that it will carry the weight 
of doing it during a, a competition or on a metal podium. Because this is going to happen. There's, there's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Athletes are going to demonstrate at the 2021 uh, Summer Olympic Games. There's, there's no way around it. So IOC is going to have to figure out what that looks like. And it's, it's, it's not as simple as flipping a switch on or off. Because there's, there's sponsorship dollars and all these kinds of things. And, and let's suppose, you know, Nike creates a very specially designed uh, black swoosh. And, 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 and they say, okay, well, this is, uh, you know, this is in, in uh, support of Black Lives Matter. Well, Nike's not a sponsor of the Olympic Games. So, so athlete, you'd want them to, to protest, but you, they can't wear a Nike, a black Nike swoosh. It's, it's, I'm getting into the weeds a little bit, but it is, this is why it's more complicated than just saying yes or no. And in a way, it's a good thing the Summer Olympics got postponed because to be able to figure out a system and a series of policies is going to take longer than six weeks. So they've got a year to figure this out. And then the Winter Games are six months after that. So they're going to have to figure that out because it is unreasonable, it is unfair to think that Athletes, again, particularly black American athletes, frankly, particularly American athletes and black athletes, that they are going to not do something. And some of them are the biggest names at the Olympic Games. So they've got some time to figure it out, but they're going to figure it out. What I'm going to be left trying to figure out in the coming days and weeks is how I can help. I, I know one part of this answer. And it, it's, it, I think this is an important lesson for anyone looking to help another group. So for years, uh, OutSports was criticized because the majority of our stories were about white athletes. And I remember that I can't remember exactly when or why. It was maybe six or seven years ago. We were being criticized for it again. I can't remember why. But I remember going through and looking through the last hundred athletes that we had written a coming out story for. And at the time, 15 of them were black. And at the time, I thought, you know, we're writing about everyone who, who we can find uh, or com who comes to us. 15% is about the percentage of the American population who's black. We're fine. These people don't know what they're talking about. And over time, I've realized that all of those things may be facts. And, and, and that, may, that, that, may, that may be true. However... The black people who read out sports, they don't see it that way. And their perspective is as valid or maybe more valid than mine. For whatever reason, 
black people, many black people, just don't feel Outsports is doing its job for their community. And I realized then that to be inclusive, you have to be intentional. It's not good enough to say, oh, we don't have any black employees because uh, we just we didn't have any black people apply or Oh, look, you know, we 15% of the people who come to us are black and 15% of the stories you do are about black people. That's not enough. If you are truly committed to hiring black people, if you are truly committed to telling the stories of black people, if you are truly committed to elevating the voices of black people, you have to go to them. You have to find those people and engage them and recruit them into what you're doing. And I, I can imagine people saying, oh, well, you know, why is it up to me? You don't have to do it, but you can't claim that you're being inclusive unless you're being really intentional about it. And that was, the, that was the lesson that I learned. So in the coming days and weeks, I am going to continue to be as intentional as possible about being inclusive of black voices and black people. And, I, you know, I, and, and even just saying that, uh, to say in the next days and weeks, uh, that's kind of, I've called bullshit on what I said. It can't be over the coming days or weeks. That may be the focus right now because it's hot, but it's something that I am going to continue because I don't want any more George Floyds. I don't want my black friends ever thinking that I am not, I'm somehow not there for them or that society is not there for them. And the only way we are going to curb or end racism is to continue to elevate black voices. I've said for years that homophobia is going to be eradicated before racism. And the reason is because LGBTQ people pop up in the middle of a family without without warning. Uh, it's why Dick Cheney was more pro-LGBTQ in his policies than Barack Obama in the early 2000s because Dick Cheney had a gay daughter. Black people generally don't just pop up in the middle of your family. Your son just isn't suddenly black or your daughter or your brother or your sister or your cousin. So we're allowed we are able to kind of stay in our silos in regards to race. And, and I really believe that the more black faces we see and voices we hear, the faster the walls break down and the silos go away. So I'm committing myself to continuing to be intentional about my inclusion 
of black people and black voices in what I do. And I hope that if I make mistakes, and Lord knows I will, that people will let me know and let me know thoughtfully and reasonably because I want to do the right thing. I want to do the right thing because I'm, I don't, I, I don't ever want to see a video like I saw, videos <laughs> that we've seen over the last few months. I don't, I just, I, I, I don't want to see it anymore. I don't want to have to hear about the pain of racism anymore because it's, it's not, it is, it's not human. It's not right. Like I said, and, and I'm going to be listening a lot more and I will be speaking about these issues when I think I have something to say that was helpful. Uh, and, and if, and if there's a time when you think I need to say something and, and you think that what I have to say would be helpful, I, I hope you'll let me know. I don't want to get in the way of black voices. Um, I, want, I want to help. Anyhow, I, I, I appreciate you listening. This is the uh, first time I've ever done this podcast without a guest, but I felt it was important to just kind of uh, give this perspective and, and let people know that black lives matter to me. Um, we'll be back next week. Who knows what the next week is going to hold. So I, I don't know who we'll be talking to or if we'll be talking to anybody. But I appreciate you. And I hope that you're able to listen and, and express yourself in ways that, that, that validate you and validate the people around you. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>